0: Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition.
1: I talk to the tree. Stop and hear what I say.
0: All around back Arizona, it is Saturday morning, second Saturday of the month, and we've got ISA certified arborist John Eisenhower of Save-A-Tree shimmying down right now, finishing a few little prune cuts as our temperatures are changing. We've got some uh, a very limited time of pruning, we'll get into that, uh, but he's always got a tree of the month that he starts off with, and we've got one, is this Arizona native tree this time?
1: It is. It's called a Platanus rightii. Common name is the sycamore. And, you know, it's an unusual tree, actually. Pretty rare. And I don't see why it's not planted more often around here. Because it grows pretty well from northern Mexico. Actually, it reaches it down into, you know, pretty deep beyond Sonora, down into Sinaloa. Goes as high as the Mogollon Rim. It I included it in my Trees of the Month this year because I love that tree. I have known it since I was a little kid. Parents bought a cabin back in about 1960 in Pine, Arizona, right on Pine Creek. Some of my best memories as a kid was fishing in that creek. And right along that creek were these big, majestic, white-barked trees that were, you know, 60, 70, 80 feet tall. They're still there to this day. Beautiful, monstrous trees. Sycamore trees.
0: And when you say you don't see them planted more, it seems like make sure I've got the right tree in my mind here. But when you said white bark, I mean those you see really in the very low points of valleys where the washes they, you, are. You're right. You might have dry river beds that top surface it might be dry, but there's could be water sure. running underground. Um, that's, that's that's right.
1: It's called a riparian tree. They're along with willows and walnuts and cottonwoods. The sycamores are really common in all of our ravines and washes wherever there's some at least some seasonal water but the, even even then they're they're unusual they they're 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 much more rare than the willows and the cottonwoods which are all over the state
0: so how do i know if i'm looking at a cottonwood or a willow or well a this sycamore? one you can't
1: meet you can't uh you can't miss it it's it's a white very smooth barked tree and they tend to be very very large um they they're just uh, glorious trees big broad leaves uh, a lot like kind of a mulberry type of a leaf, a large a flat leaf and, you know, eight, sometimes 10 inches in diameter, tip to tip on some of the, the many uh, lobes, a multi-lobed leaf. And they're just beautiful, deciduous trees. So they lose their leaves in the winter. Then you have this beautiful, glorious, smooth, white barked tree. Best thing to do because they're they're pretty thirsty trees is put them in a lawn setting because they're going to get that reg- – they'll love that regular irrigation. Yeah, I can't say that for some of our, our desert trees, which don't want their feet wet all the time. A sycamore tree is a great one if you have a large lawn setting and you want a fast-growing tree, a beautiful shade tree in the summer, loses its leaves so you get some of that solar uh, energy coming through in the winter. They're just an amazing tree, really you know, nice.
0: we're going to have to do? For next year, John, when we have our tree of the month, we need to have locations ready for the broadcast where people can go see these because we do get requests sometimes. And I even remember you and uh, and Rick were texting me one time like, where's the Ironwood? We're out here on Carefree Highway <laughs> trying to find it. Uh, you know, where can people go see these? And I'm thinking through yeah. my mind if you're in the Maricopa County area, I'm guessing Seven Springs, if you could picture Seven Springs. Sure.
1: Oh, that'd be a great place to go. Um, it's not too far out of town.
0: And then the Hacienda River Preserve between Morristown and Wickenburg
1: there you go. Uh,
0: would be another place. If you were down uh, in the Pima County, Tucson area, I would imagine just drive towards the Catalina sure. Mountains sure. and just yeah. find a yeah, wash coming off one of those mountains and look for the biggest cluster of gigantic trees, and that's probably your sycamores. Yeah, there
1: you go. Call around to the local nurseries because, like I said, they're not as as common as as other trees that are you'll see in in, lar- in large in larger numbers at the nurseries. But call around and, and if if you get a, find a nursery that has a sycamore, go check it out. I think you really love it. You know, it's not one of those trees that you're going to get this beautiful symmetrical. Uh, no, a, a trunk. It tends to be a little bit a little bit uh, wonky as it's when it's younger. But man, they are so beautiful and stately when they you know. And, and like I said, they're fast growing. So. It'll achieve its landscape purpose quickly. Be sure you've got room for it because it can grow to 70 feet tall. So like a eucalyptus, you need to give it a little bit of room. And it grows taller than it grows wide. So if you're looking for a, a real uh, rounded form of a shade tree, it's not so much like that. It's going to be uh, you know, growing up probably you know, twice as high as it's going to be wide.
0: They just feel like they're a big shade tree out in the wilderness well, it, because there's... Clusters. Yeah. They're not individual yeah. tree very often, and they'll
1: they'll dominate. You know, in those riparian areas, you know, you'll see a lot of the understory trees will end up g- getting dwarfed, and, and the sun will be blocked, and they'll eventually die back or be or just be a very much smaller. Uh, yeah, these are the these are the kind of the grand dams, the um, largest trees in in those in those settings, those riparian settings. It'll be the the biggest one in the in the in the group.
0: So if you randomly find yourself lost out in the desert and you find one of these, (laughs) head towards a, a tall cluster of trees. Now, if you get there and there's no water, don't be discouraged. Just look for where there's sand, doing all those sandy washes, and just start digging. And you'll be surprised. Less than a foot less than six inches a lot of times, you're going to start getting the water seeping out. So just keep digging back and maybe if you're smart and you're out there, you've got your life straw with you, <laughs> <laughs> stick your life straw down there and get you a drink.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, the the one drawback with some of the sycamores that I've, I see when I'm out and about is that they're so big, there's not even a chance of climbing them because the, the trunk will be, you know, 10, 12 feet in diameter. The lowest branch is, you know, 40 feet off the ground. Um, so yeah, we've we've seen some beauties. Um, I took a video of one of my um, one of my employees and I and his family went hiking uh, down into actually there at Natural Bridge Tonto Natural Bridge. When you hike down in through there, if you hike down past the bridge, then you can hike back up one of the other trails. Tons of really beautiful sycamores down in there. But I took a nice video of of him. I might post it to the Rosie website. Perfect. Maybe this weekend. That's one he could climb up in. I said, hey, climb up into that first little crotch <laughs> up there, and I'll get a video. It was really cool.
0: <laughs> you need one of those arborist slingshots to, to climb. Where, do you guys use for palm trees where you shoot the yeah, like the monkey's fist over the top <laughs> Yeah, to, <set laughs> to get it over a, yeah. a branch? So you our, gotta, our
1: arborist, yeah, to, to set a line in some of our taller trees, we have to throw a, a projectile up in the tree with a rope attached to it, and then we pull that through, then we pull our rope up and – yeah, that's our uh, way of ascending some of these larger trees.
0: So that's the Arizona sycamore, and it's... Uh, Platinus. Thank you. Platinus.
1: I G H W-R-I-G-H-T-I-I. Whoever this right was, he got to name that tree after himself. Was <laughs> it Arizona Frank? Arizona sycamore, not Frank Lloyd, no.
0: <laughs> so that is our tree of the month. You can see pictures of that at com in today's archive page as temperatures start to cool finally oh have how nice have these mornings been last weekend went to prescott got there opened the door and it was under 50 and we looked at each other like we couldn't even remember the last time we'd seen 50 degrees we're like what is this
1: <laughs> i know i got to the yard this morning at like 4 30 or 5 and it was nice and chilly and so what do we
0: what does that mean for our tree to do's or don't do's?
1: Well, this time of year, you know, we talked about the dog days of summer. This is kind of the, I don't know what you call something nights of winter, but it's, uh, this is a time where things start slowing down a little bit for our our trimming. Your evergreen trees, you can prune a little more aggressively, um, but you want to kind of start backing off on the dosage. We talk about dosage and pruning in our industry that you don't want to be doing too much Um, At any time of year, but especially in the winter as we're starting to uh, cool things off and, you know, the uh, trees need, uh, many of them, especially the frost sensitive trees, need their winter coat, so to speak. So you don't want to be heavily pruning those as uh, we, you know, have some frost out ahead of us. So deciduous trees are going to start to be losing their leaves and those can be pruned during December January, so it's a good time to target all your deciduous trees.
0: Okay. I was – that. thank you for clarifying that because when I saw the uh, lighten back on trimming
1: – The evergreen the trees.
0: Tre- yeah. The evergreen trees. Okay. That's – I misread that. Yeah, I'm the sorry. evergreens I'm like,
1: <laughs> are your, your mesquites, your olives, sumacs, your eucalyptus, and some of those. Those are all vigorous trees, and sometimes if we pruned those back in May and June – about this time of year, they're looking pretty rough and ragged. So we do a lot of kind of kind of a uh, shaping, um, lighter trimming this time of year on a lot of those trees because it, they simply can't make it until uh, May or June of next year. And it, it, we sometimes do a lot of trimming this time of year just in getting those trees kind of ready for the holiday season. It doesn't take a lot of, of heavy pruning like we might have done in the spring and summer, but that little maintenance trim is... Uh, is, is probably appropriate this time of year. So you can do a little bit of shaping and, and without any risk to the trees, even to the citrus. If you're not doing heavy trimming on citrus, you can do a little nipping and tucking here and there just to maintain their overall shape, uh, reserving the heavier trimming until February, March, uh, when you can uh, cut them back a little more as we head into the into the spring.
0: And I know a lot of people fertilize citrus three times a year. You're kind of a fourth time of year guy. You guys use usually-
1: Yeah, we have three times as well, you know, uh, early, mid and late summer trimming, um, you know, try to sort of target those, um, the uh, Valentine's Day, Memorial Day, Labor Day, kind of as three sort of general holidays markers for those uh, best times of year to be be fertilizing. So if
0: you missed your citrus fertilizer, go ahead and hold off because we don't want to push any new growth out for it to just get— Frost damage,
1: right? And and if you are are looking at that, the those three n- uh, numbers on your fertilizer bag, the NPK, the nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, you we would back off on the first number uh, and put on maybe a little higher phosphorus uh, for the winter because it really prepares the roots for uh, for that w- uh, long winter. And they'll be really healthy and ready to go in the spring but yeah you don't want to be pushing a lot of nitrogen this time of year so we drop the nitrogen out of the uh, our fertilizer uh, formulations this time of year and uh, and then we bump it up in the spring again
0: all right well hang tight I can we can do a lot of things here but we can't stop the clock and in fact we're a little over this time so we'll be back with John Eisenhower right after this
1: Kissing like a bandit, stealing time,
0: Back with John Eisenhower, integrity save a tree. John, maybe not adding fertilizer right now, but I know you're a big fan of composting. And there was a broadcast—I don't know, four or five—talking trees episodes back where it seemed like the whole conversation got high-centered around wood chips and and composting. So, but you know, it may not be a great time to trim, but you could be doing your composting or your uh, sure, trip, yeah, t- tree trip. Chips right now. <laughs> yeah, easy for you to say. Well, yeah,
1: easy for me to say. Yeah, the uh, um, this time of year, I always like to be reminding everyone to be uh, raking up those leaves and don't just throw them away. You know, if you've got an excess amount, you might need to refill up that refill that cycle, recycle bin, fill up the recycle bin, but take those leaves and 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 just rake them into a pile. You don't necessarily even have a, have, have to have a compost bin, although a bin is. A nice way to kind of keep them, and rotate them, and you know, wet them and, and turn them. But yeah, don't don't waste that, that that wonderful resource. You know, it's not sometimes you know appropriate to leave them underneath the trees. Although if you can do that, that's great for the plants because it encourages nitrogen cycling. And if you've got the the benefit of a yard where you can let the leaves lie and underneath your trees, that's great. But um, if you can't, you know, at least rake them up, blow them into a corner somewhere. And then create a, a compost pile, where that you know through that process of decomposition, that that uh, uh, that compost can become a really rich mulch that you can turn back into the soil and other parts of your yard. Lay it down once it's de- you know fully decomposed. You you know um, you can start to just lay it down underneath some of your your plants for a um, just a, a great you know return of of that of that uh, nitrogen back to the plants themselves you know we make this big mistake here in the desert where it seems like we always are raking up all of our leaf litter and just throwing it away we, we bag it all up or we throw it into the trash can and away it goes or we uh, ha, you know cart it off to the to the landfill and it's it's really robbing our landscape of a really necessary part of 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 nature's you know recycling program when those leaves you know drop down on below your your plants they're insulating the soil you know, uh, you know uh, giving a little bit of a uh, a buffer against the intense summer heat. Uh, it, as as they break down, they're you know returning nitrogen to the soil. They're also creating a better rooting environment, just inc- increasing the microbial uh, activity in the soil. And you want beneficial bacteria and and all those those organisms that make up good quality soil really depend upon a better ambient temperature. So having a nice layer of mulch on the soil surface. Is just critical to creating that rhizosphere that's really healthy and and growing and full of uh, all the organisms that that make a make up a, a good quality soil. So if you can keep that that going back into the into your landscape, it's great. You sequester the leaves if you want. Make a good compost mix, adding half green and half brown materials, and add water and then turn it regularly, and you can get a really great compost. Then take it and return it back to the plants and then you can kind of deliver it where it's needed most in your, in your whether it be in your raised garden bed or, or just back back underneath some of your your um, selected uh, trees and shrubs and and they'll really enjoy that uh, uh, that that benefit.
0: If you're a die-hard organics, I mean you can't get any more organic fertilizer than that.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. It's that's 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 exactly right. You know, we we like to say that because of the fact that we rake up a lot of our, our leaf litter, that regular nitrogen fertilizing is, is almost needed to kind of replace what the plants have lost. Because in, in nature, you know, those plants would have just been enjoying that that leaf litter year-long. And, and uh, because we take it out, sometimes we need to return the nitrogen back in. And, of course, we have so many non-native plants here that uh, – do need some supplemental fertilization. They might be uh, need some additional iron. They might be uh, a, a, enjoy an acidic soil. So, we, um, so putting a little bit of um, uh, gypsum down or some other um, products that can help to re, you know buffer the pH and allow better uptake of nutrients. Those things are are kind of needed because we have so many plants that are not really uh, ideally adapted to our desert soil conditions. So. But if you can uh, get that some of that leaf litter back to the plants, you know, in any way you can, whether you leave it there and, and don't move it, or if you want to compost all those leaves and some of your other green matter that you pull out of your yard, and then re- kind of distribute it as you will uh, the next season, usually it takes about ninety days of, of active composting for you to get a good quality black gold product. You know, that at the you know kind of the end product of a composting operation um but man it's a great investment this is a perfect time to begin that um you say well is it going to work in the summer, in the winter yeah of course that it actually creates its own temperature as, if you're as you're composting correctly and you can look up various recipes online but you're going to have some green parts like even your grass clippings mix them up with your your dead dry leaves some carbon some nitrogen it's a, a mix of the green and the brown and and you blend the two together you got to add some water uh, uh, turn it regularly, and it will actually start cooking. The more you have, the the better uh, the the cookability of it will be. Because it, down inside that compost pile, uh, it won't matter how cold it is outside. That compost is going to be cooking inside. It's that cooking process that really uh, creates that um, that chemistry that will give you a really great um, compost at the end of the end of the process.
0: We're talking trees. we got a half hour left still right here at Rosie on the House. And welcome back on this beautiful Arizona Saturday morning. Finally cooler weather there for a little while and it didn't seem like we were ever going to be able to say that but there's just a, a new life that comes back every time the fall season comes so many parts of the country you know falls going into your dreary season you know you're the depressing time of the year it's you know here it's like everything's waking up <laughs> we're so excited it's such a relief we're we're going into our enjoyable time of the year and we were talking about composting as we were going into the bottom of the hour news break and we kept talking a little bit during the break and i wanted to bring back up you know just a few more points that we were chatting about you know, when you're composting if you're getting your own mulch or your tree chips you know there you've how do you apply that you know, you've got a few things you need to be aware of so you don't do any harm to the tree
1: yeah the uh, wood chips whether you're putting them down or 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 your any kind of a compost you want to be careful not to put too much you know the uh, uh, a little more of a good thing is not always better as as the saying goes and it really applies to mulch, and in there's a, a real uh, tendency in the in the Midwest and in the East of to create what are, they call mulch volcanoes. When you'll see these trees, you know, street trees and people's trees in their yards, you'll see the, this uh, trunk of the tree, and there's a volcano of of soil mounded up against the trunk of the tree, and it is a some sort of a a, a diehard. A practice that is really really harmful to trees um, because it wicks moisture up against the trunk of the tree and the trunk the trunks of our trees are not really built for uh, for sustaining constant contact with water roots can handle a, a lot can handle water a lot better they're designed for that root tissue but trunk tissue needs to stay relatively dry the last thing you want to do is put mulch up against the trunk of your trees because it will wick the moisture up against it, kind of like contact explosives. It just does a lot of damage to our, our trees. What happens is it creates an environment that's conducive to fungal pathogens, and Phytophthora and other fungal disease can move into that, that zone of, of waterlogged trunk tissue and start, de, uh, start destroying it. And once that, that, that cambium is destroyed right under the bark, the tree will decline and die. Many people have seen that happen. All of a sudden, you've had a beautiful tree in your yard, and you wonder what's happened to it. You you see it starting to lose leaves. It's starting to not look as good. If you look closely around the base of the tree, you'll notice that it was planted too deep, and there's actually soil up against the trunk of the tree above the root collar. But you need to learn to dig down, find the root collar, and excavate all that soil out. If you've got a tree that the trunk disappears into the soil like a cliff into water, you'll know that if there's no if there's no trunk flare the 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 trunk flare or the root collar or the trunk collar they call it is the is the point at which the trunk becomes the roots and that should be right at the soil level and if you don't see that flare that trunk flare at the base of your trees you might want to dig down carefully and find it it might be an inch below grade it might be 2 or 3 or 6 we we've dug some trees recently and the, the, we dug down over a foot and couldn't find the root collar. It was down, about, you know, 18 inches deep. And that's terrible because those roots are way, way down too deep in the soil. They need oxygen. But most importantly, you have to get that soil away from the trunk. Because if if you have the, the your drip emitters or any other water source putting water down in there, it can wick, as I said, that soil will wick the moisture up against the trunk tissue and can cause a lot of decay. And it's the beginning of the end. But going back to your question about the mulch, you got to be careful. You don't want to put too much. So if you do put your mulch down around your trees, keep it away from the base of the trees altogether. Leave a, a nice little space there of several inches. You don't want that, you know, if, if your tree's down in a basin, eventually that, that if you've got that mulch lying loose on the soil, uh, it will start migrating down to the base of the tree and cause problems and start to build up there. So... Just be careful that you, you know, you expose the root collar. And what what happens if you do have the tree that's, you know, planted too deep? Um, how do you remedy that? Well, we dig down to the root collar, then we excavate out and gradually slope the soil up to the native, to the, native, to the regular grade, um, hopefully a foot or two away from the tree, and then uh, get rid of all that excess soil that's above the root collar. And it's a little process. We call it a root collar excavation. When we dig down and find the root collar, and then do that kind of remedial work by removing any of that excess soil that's above the root collar, it's it's trees planted too deep are are uh, one of the major causes of tree decline and death in in Arizona, and we are, are really conscious of that. So look around your yard. If you see that tree that's been languishing in the, uh, in, the in its location for years, and you don't quite know why. <coughs> It might be because it's been planted too deep, and you might want to think about digging down around it and and uh, giving it some oxygen. And we've dug, done some root collar excavations, and we've seen trees respond almost immediately. And we've had a really great success in, in uh, reviving some trees that just didn't want to do much. And then we dug down, got rid of that excess soil above the root collar, and all of a sudden they had enough oxygen that, boom, within the next year or two, they just took off. So want to be watching for that in your own yard.
0: And you're not going to have, if this is your first year, you know, it, the compost, it's amazing how big of a pile will start and how small <laughs> and little you'll have left at the end. So it's true. You, you're not going to get enough for your whole yard in one setting of composting. It's going to take a couple of years to build. You, know, you may need to bring in some other bag material that every yeah, nursery yeah. carries I thought, hundreds of bags of all kinds of yeah. soils or mm-hmm. composting or
1: potting soil yep yeah, so. you name it yeah and you're right it does really shrink in size as it starts breaking down and yeah we like to just you know let's create some piles in different places in the yard and just kind of let it let it do its thing and you can add to it if you want over over the course of the year you know of the season um, but it's kind of nice to have some stages of growth so you're not putting fresh new materials on top of compost that's halfway through the, the composting process. So some people have some compost bins that are set up next to one another, and you've got your, new, your new, new materials, and you've got your half-finished materials, and you have your finished compost, and you can kind of move them from one to another and kind of rotate them. That's a, a good plan because otherwise you're kind of mixing on top of one another.
0: And you can get bulk orders delivered as well. Um, mm-hmm. There's a couple where all the landscape materials getting loaded at the dump. You know, there's companies that take that out, chip it, mulch it. They've got it in big piles. They can load it with a tractor into a dump trailer and come drop it off at your house, or even chip drop. Now, I thought that was a pretty genius invention. Yeah, um, digit one example of <clears throat> uh, a digital app that.
1: Sure, you can. You can. Uh, order a, a load of wood chips uh, anytime you want. Just uh, chipdrop.com, and they can uh, uh, arrange to have a local tree service that's in your area. Those tree services also have the app on their phone, and they're looking for you, and you're looking for them. And so when they are in your area and they've got a, a load or half a load of chips, uh, you can uh, hook up and, and get uh, get a, a free delivery of wood chips.
0: And you can't necessarily control what type of wood chip you're getting, but that really doesn't matter. Some people may be looking for a certain smell or mesquite smell, but there's no way to really control that. You've seen the crews on the side of the road, and they've got the branches cut down, and they've got you know the dump truck that's got the chipper, and it's got a big yeah. yellow Vermeer sign on it, and they're throwing the branches in. Well, instead of all of that going to the landfill now, <clears throat> if they've got the chip drop app, sure. they look and see somebody looking for them, well, they just... It, it saves them, in the perfect world, uh, a trip from the dump. You know, you're probably closer and you've got local material. So it's just a great way to, you know, recycle. Yeah,
1: and people have to remember, too, you're not going to be getting that beautiful, uniform-sized chip like you see at the playgrounds. You know, it's a, this is going to have leaves. It'll have twigs in it. And you have to be careful, too, because it, it might have some thorns. And if you don't want thorns— you need to specify that. I'm not sure you can do that on the app or not, but I I, I don't th- think that there. I mean, there's some materials that you simply wouldn't want um, uh, in at your at your your home. So I'm not sure how that app works, but um, there are some undesirable components inside the compost that you want to just be careful that you know what you're getting. And and uh, but usually, if you know, if it's a tree, a company that's doing a lot of tree removals. You know, it's really nice to get a nice uniform load of some uh, fresh uh, chipped eucalyptus or some olive and, and uh, you know, be- beautiful, beautiful um, chips. But you'll, you'll be surprised. Sometimes those chippers are, are shredding the material as much as they are chipping it. So you get some big pieces that are, you know, 5, 6, 10 inches long, some shredded pieces of the bark. And so it's, you know, not really as uniform as you might expect, um, you know, with the— uh, and a chipped playground wood uh that's not quite like that <laughs> <laughs> but it's free and but it's free yeah. and, and if you're
0: not needing the aesthetic look of it it's it's a perfect solution a, a buddy of mine actually uses it for dust control embedding bedding for his horse stalls so he perfect. just yeah. you know he constantly is just spreading it out in the stalls uh, you know if you've got horses in an area and they're walking around they get they, they can turn that ground into powdery dust and yeah uh, it, it, no there's time. i'm going to steal his uh his trick on that <clears throat> before this segment wraps up though let's talk about the new service y'all have started it save a tree you guys are now uh holiday ambassadors let's call it <laughs>
1: yeah. no we do have a holiday decor service and it's really been a lot of fun um helping people design a, a way of lighting their trees and lighting up the front of their homes. We have some beautiful wreaths and some amazing lights. And what's beautiful about the service is that we provide the, the the help with the design. We do the installation. We do the, the teardown. We do the maintenance. We do the storage of the materials after the season's over. So we do the whole thing, and it's, uh, it's just a package deal, and it's really, really great. We were working with some uh, uh, customers just this last few days, and uh, getting ready for their holiday. And we're just getting started and it's been a lot of fun. And I think we have some really talented um, uh, folks on our install end and our arborists are kind of excited to to, to bring that service because we have several customers of ours that we they decorate the trees that we've trimmed. And now we get to help them in that decoration process and that design and installation process. We're getting real excited about doing that.
0: You know, it's funny how uh, holiday lights can change how you actually trim a tree. I've got a a, a row <laughs> of trees that are, you see when you t- approach the property mm-hmm. and I trim them slightly different than I do everything else cuz I I trim them with the plan of these are our holiday Christmas yeah, yeah. light trees uh-huh. and you know you want them to look a little different than your other one that, that you well, know the rest of the trees we like to keep them natural but this is like our our grand entrance at the holidays and you know well, we, we want to that my wife and I know I
1: know, I know. my wife and I hired Savetree to do our lights this year. So we're <laughs> we're we're getting really excited. You hired yourself? <laughs> we are. We are and it's going to be really fun. We're we're uh, trying to decide quite how to do it, but it's really it's kind of neat even in the design process and there's uh, some really great ideas and really great commercial quality grade um, uh, lights and the timer and everything is set. We do all that for you and and it's going to be good. You didn't see
0: nearly the amount of Halloween decorations that you normally do, but something tells me we're going to see more Christmas decorations than usual. Maybe Celebrating so. the end Maybe of 2020, so. just yeah. get it behind us and that restored um spirit that comes with <laughs> with holidays and Christmas time and and New Year's. I I bet we're going to see more Christmas light decorations than normal. So,
1: Maybe so. Yeah.
0: Our final Talking Trees segment here, and John, I want to keep going on the conversation we had started about your service of Christmas tree lighting. You all will go string lights and trees for people, but what about tree selection? Is there one particular species of tree that you prefer over another one for for Christmas tree lighting? I mean, do, do you prefer a mesquite or a mulberry? Is is one particularly better than the other for a light effect?
1: Well, it's interesting because if they do have some nice architectural variety, you know, you can you, know, you can wrap the trunks. We do a lot of tr- trunk wraps, so that looks really dramatic. But it, it's got to be tied in with the canopy because you don't want this, uh, you know, this trunk wrap that's all dramatic and there's not, not much above it. Or to have the, the lights kind of hovering above a, a, a bare trunk, so you kind of want to blend the two together. You know, have the trunk wrap go high enough up in the canopy so that the, the lights in the canopy – go down below the height of that that trunk wrap. So it's all tied together. But you want trees that are probably in the 20 to 25 foot range. Above that, it, it, it gets pretty difficult to, to do. We can do the larger trees as well, uh, but it, it, it takes a, a, a lot of lights to do those larger trees. And, and And of course, special equipment to get up there. We do hang them all from the outside. We don't hang them, we don't have climbers up inside the trees uh, often coming out to the branch edges, we hang from the outside. So we're using either uh, ladders or, uh, um, uh, in, in the case of larger trees, maybe a, a bucket truck to to get up to those higher areas. Then we drape the tree the lights from the outside. But there's a real art and science to it, and it's 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 a fun project to do. Um, of course, the, the 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 typical Christmas tree is 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 amazing too to be able to have a, a beautiful cone, you know, conical pyramid shaped. Uh, conifer; um, those lend themselves beautifully to getting uh, lit up. And uh, but any tree, even the multi-trunk desert trees, look look absolutely stunning when they have a lot of a lot of, uh, lot of lights um, in and around. We've got some really great colored lights and um, different uh, patterns and and different uh, combinations of of different colors to give a really striking effect, depending on what what you're wanting. a little bit up lighting too we do some um some pathway and street lighting as well as um the 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 edge of the homes the the eaves of the house as well so uh, we try to tie all that together along with the 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 uh, tree trimming we're wanting to kind of tie it into the overall landscape as well
0: i've gotten a little aggressive with my christmas tree lighting i hate putting nails in my home and you know, we still put a little one, but where it's really gotten is now that my trees have developed, all the decorations have moved to it. The mulberries are fun because we'll wrap the trunk in one color, and they're deciduous, so a lot mm-hmm. of the leaves are falling off by this time. Um, but we'll pick a branch and we'll do the branch yeah, in one yeah. color, and and just that one, and then we'll take another one and do another. Color. At night, you know, it's just these random
1: colored. Branches, You're yeah. right?
0: Instead of it being like draped and and trenched around the outside, like yeah, you've like got this idea. this sure. tree with no leaves, and and then at night it's this you can't even see the trunk, and there's just these strange light structures. It's
1: well, it really it's it. it the limit is your imagination because we have some uh, commercial clients as well who've come knocking this year, and they and we're uh, doing some really kind of innovative stuff in some of their entryways, and so we've got some uh, really great plans for the next year or two. Um, uh, to To expand the, that service to, to 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 bring some really dramatic um, uh, displays, uh, we have a, a our, our Denver branch has done some amazing things at their botanical garden, and they've been working in there for many years and expanded to be a, a just a, a, really a top ten uh, holiday display in all the country, and um, it's it's pretty cool to. If you want to get on, on online, you can just go to TreeCare.com. And I believe there's a button right there on that landing page that will take you right to the the holiday decor, and you'll be able to see a lot of the, um, the photos of the uh, different work that we do, both residentially and commercially uh, across the country.
0: And wrapping up the last two minutes, you had wanted to talk about, you know, just recapturing one more time the... The long summer, you know, it was it was a strenuous year on a lot of these trees. Well, you, know, you mentioned yeah, losing just, some.
1: Just this last couple of days, I've seen uh, some trees that were that died this summer, and there was a bunch of them that just were. They they were in, in a. Some of these were in areas that didn't have a lot of water, but during a normal year, they would rely upon seasonal rain and they would just survive. These just didn't make it. They absolutely didn't make it. So there's four or five of these beautiful trees in this um, this easement just beyond our, our customer's home, and they're all dead. And it's just really, really quite a, a shame. But it made me just think how grateful we are for this cooler weather, as it's uh, finally. Uh, I think winter has finally come, and uh, it kind of came with a vengeance this this week. You know, dropping from ninety to sixty, and in, in about three days, that's just uh, isn't that just like Arizona. You know, we get when when it does come. You know, it it's this big plummet in, in temperature, and hopefully we'll be ready for the the frost that's uh, no doubt going to be around the corner in the next few weeks. Get ready for a little bit of frost cloth. Be sure you're stocking up. Sometimes by the time you need it, they're gone. All, all the nurseries <laughs> are sold out. So be sure you you know get get a little frost cloth if you tend if you plan to use some this winter, and and uh, you know have that on hand so that when we do get that cold snap. Um, that you'll be ready to cover those uh, frost sensors. And what
0: you trees. want to look for is any night that's going to be below about 30 degrees for two or three extended hours. That's your, your yeah, risk that's point. Yeah, that's
1: your risk point, yep. And then and those back-to-back-to-back nights of those freezing temperatures, that will also have that, that same effect too. So.
0: And if somebody would like to schedule an arborist, it's...
1: Savatree.com, S-A-V-A-T-R-E-E.com.
0: John our ISA Certified Arborist. Thanks for talking trees.
1: You bet.